episode 246 of Building Lives. This is the Ericast for the week of October 19, 2014. From Ericast.com. Ericast.com. Welcome to the Ericast. Thanks for listening to the Ericast, the monthly podcast that tries to be weekly. I think that's going to be our new slogan here. We've looked for one for years. Maybe, maybe they'll do it. Do you, you know, it's going to be the 10th anniversary of the Ericast in a few months. That's, that's something. So what is the Ericast? Well, I'm your host, Eric Larson. Thank you for listening. Uh, we have a listener feedback line, 206-339-3742, still alive and well. There was a season in the Ericast life where it actually expired and I called back and begged the company, K7.net, if they'd give us the number back because it spells out Eric, 206-339-ERIC. Um, and they agreed. It's an awesome company. Don't know what their revenue model is because giving me free stuff really, um, can't be what keeps them in business. So anyway, um, and we describe it here in the majestic weeks. It really is just me. Studio A here has no real, you know, name or function. It's, it's, it's my, what we call the sub basement. Um, cause our house is a, a four level split. Um, it's typically a, like a three level split. So you walk in to the kitchen dining room, um, entryway from the garage. You go down half a flight to the family room and two bedrooms or up half a flight to the living room and two bedrooms. But below the entry level, that kitchen dining room footprint, um, there's a full basement. A lot of houses like this just have a crawl space, but we have a full basement, um, washer, dryer, furnace, water, heater, etc. That is Studio A. Hopefully I've painted you a, a sort of a verbal picture of it. So we use a we here. Explaining that the Aircast is a personal podcast, meaning either you're here because you know me, Eric Larson of the Aircast, um, and want to know what's going on in my life. If so, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, or you stumbled into this based on uh, word of mouth, or you, you picked up some web search or something on some keyword I threw in some post someplace, uh, and you want to know more about that topic. I will warn you, it's it's a loving warning with a verbal hug, uh, that whatever topic brought you here will probably not come up again, because I tend to be fairly eclectic in my tastes. But that's okay. So... Again, it's, I mean, it's been a while. Lots going on. Sorry for the delay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, did I mention in the last episode that I, I helped crew a hot air balloon launch? I don't, I think that that episode predated that. I'm going to have, someone do me a favor. Listen to the, Matt, this might be you because I know you're catching up on episodes. So, um, someone remind me, cause to be honest, I don't want to go back and listen to my own episode. Um, if the last episode, the September 21st one, whenever it was, if that talked about me being on a uh, uh, launch crew for a hot air balloon. If not, um, well, if so, either way, let me know. 206-339-3742. Uh, yes, you are becoming my research assistant, but that's okay. You can do this. And um, and let me know if I talked about that, because if I if I didn't, that's, there's an episode topic right there. But if I did, I'm not going to rehash it. If I did, I've, I've said too much already. So... We had a series of adventures because here in Minnesota, it is fall and it's beautiful. I love fall in Minnesota. My favorite season. The leaves are, are pretty. Um, the, the temperature is nice. The mosquitoes die. Um, another tangent. So John Eldridge is a, uh, uh, fairly famous modern, uh, the Christian author, um, kind of the, the, um, the, the the male Christian evangelical discipleship niche. Uh, so he wrote Wild at Heart, a couple other books. 
um, sort of like the Robert Bly men's movement, but in a Christian context and not quite, you know, gather around the circle and, and beat drums, but gather around the circle and, and talk about how you can grow in a relationship with God. I, that's probably the best way of summarizing him. Uh, he has a son named Sam. Sam just got married to someone who's, who's from the Minneapolis area. In fact, quirky, weird, small world thing. I had a colleague at work, um, who just totally randomly mentioned in passing, Hey, do you know a, a an author named John Eldridge? I'm like, do I? Yeah, I mean, you know what? What normal suburban evangelical Christian male hasn't heard of John Eldridge? Um, turns out that she was at the wedding because she is a friend of the family of John's new daughter-in-law. Okay, so um, Sam, his son, because um, they're out from Colorado or whatever. Uh, then moved to Minneapolis to be with his wife while she you know, finishes up uh, her graduate degree. And they, John Eldridge has a podcast, which, of course, I listen to because I do that kind of thing because, you know, you and I were into podcasts, right? And that's one of the ones that I, I listen to occasionally. And they were reading excerpts from their book. And Sam was talking about moving to Minneapolis, uh, and, you know, Minnesota, where the winter never ends and mosquitoes are the size of helicopters. My gut reaction was, hey, come on. Dude. So I really shouldn't joke about mosquitoes here if I'm complaining that other people are joking about mosquitoes here. But I'm not joking about like mosquitoes the size of helicopters. It's like, no, we do have mosquitoes in the summer. A lot of places do. And then fall, you know, when the nights are cool or, or, or cold, um, if they get really nice and cold, then it freezes and mosquitoes die and stuff. So beautiful weather, beautiful, beautiful weather. And the, it's kind of interesting that you, you don't as often take for granted the opportunities to spend time with your kids than you do in the summer when they're just always around. So I could do any of the things I'm talking about any day in the summer, but instead it's like, oh, there's that teacher conference day and we have to grab that opportunity. So I was thinking about old buildings. And I ha I'm going to warn you that since I've already um, rambled, which is just a statement of fact, it's not an apology because that is what the Aircast is. Um, we're already like six and a half, seven minutes into the podcast. So this will probably be multi-episodic. No, we'll see if we'll see how I feel about bringing it back next week. Um, where do I start? I guess I'll start in the present and work backwards. I just got picked someplace, so um, we'll go back to last week. And I, for some reason, read. So actually, I know exactly how it happened. Like, dude, just get to the point. Well, again, let me, you know, let me, let me get there. We'll, we'll get there. Just gotta give you some context, right? Okay. There's a bridge. There's a bridge I want to see. I was hoping to see it this fall, but it hasn't happened yet, but that's okay. It's a train bridge, um, that is north of Stillwater. So again, for those of you who aren't local, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, there's the border, border towns. Um, the one straight east of us by like 10 miles or 15 miles is Hudson, Wisconsin. That's where the hot air balloon uh, 
launch is in the winter that I've talked about. North of that is Stillwater, which is a, a smaller town, a little bit more quaint. It has a lift bridge there on, on the St. Croix River. It's the St. Croix that divides Minnesota and Wisconsin. If you ever look um, at, a, at a map, you'd have to really kind of care about Minnesota and Wisconsin to ever do this, but if you ever look at a map of Minnesota and Wisconsin, there's a squiggly line for the most part, but then, then northwest Wisconsin... There's this straight line that heads straight up to Duluth. That's where the St. Croix River turns into like a little little creek and kind of peters out and works its way into Wisconsin. They just drew a straight line. But anything south of that where the line is squiggly, um, that is um, the, the St. Croix River is the border between Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then it ends at Prescott, um, which is um, right across from Hastings. Red Wings a little bit further down, but that's but the the St. Croix and the Mississippi come together at Prescott, and then it's the Mississippi that divides the rest of Minnesota and Wisconsin. So, Stillwater uh, is a is a kind of a quaint, you know, little little town, tourist town, etc. And north of that, there is very very hard to get to, which is why I just haven't popped up to it. Um, but that's what also kind of makes it cool. So it's in the middle of nowhere. Is this huge long steel Bridge. It's like a couple hundred feet high. I forget how many, you know, thousands of feet long it is. Um, it's a, a single track, I think, train um, bridge that crosses the valley. But the river valley is huge. I mean, the, the river is not particularly deep, but it's a big flat river. Um, and so trains, you don't really dip down and cross. You kind of have to, you know, sort of like those Roman aqueducts. So you got to keep them pretty level. So it's this big, huge Bridge, which apparently photos don't do it justice of how spectacular this, this, the, the steel arch stuff is and the, the, you know, comparison to the structure of the Eiffel Tower and all sorts of, you know, wonderful flowing prose about the description of this bridge. Well, I want to see that at some, at some point. I thought maybe this fall I'd, I'd get out to see it. And the, and the fall's not over yet, so it could still happen. But, um, as I was reading about that, I came across a website that referenced abandoned mills. Now, I think I've talked about the Mill City Museum before, and one of the industries here in the in the Upper Midwest was uh, flour mills. You know, flour. Uh, we grow wheat, and then what do you do with the wheat? Or wheat, if you want to sound like Stewie Griffin, wheat. Um, what do you do with the wheat? Well, you take your wheat and you grind it into flour and various other things. You know, feed for poultry or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I don't, I don't know these things. Uh, but we have wheat mills. The Mill City Museum in downtown Minneapolis was a big, big mill um, that was abandoned in the late 60s. Uh, stood there, you know, sort of decrepit and falling apart until it burned in the early 90s. Uh, and then they built a museum kind of in the, the middle of the burned out shell of that. So I came across a reference to these websites of Minnesota's abandoned mills. I think I'll leave that there. And maybe if you're interested, I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll, I'll loop back around next week. Let me know. Uh, and I'll explain how that, so that was, that was, that was last week. Took the girls on, on a tour of three mills. Um, kind of like 90 minutes, a couple hours on the road, like a half hour hop between each one. Um, because what happens is you build the exterior out of stone walls, and the interior is all wood. You know, wood pillars and stuff, um, you know, posts and wood floors. Um, 
And then, as as any good mill does, you have a fire and you you burn, and, and which is what fire does. And then you have nothing left except the shell of the outer walls. And a lot of them then collapsed because you have these freestanding outer walls. But a lot didn't. So um, I thought it was really cool, and the girls thought it was okay. And it's you know nice to take a road trip with the road trip with dad, right? Um, and again, beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful time of year to do it. So. That was last week. Well, then that got me thinking. So here's here's the the a building lives is a relevant title because I have written on my my glass whiteboard up in up in the den studio B is what is that we call it um, the start of a, a, a poem. I'm not much of a poet, uh, but the title was a building died today. And it was a reflection on um, the loss of the island station, which was the uh, 19, uh, circa 1920s uh, power plant on the riverfront in uh, St. Paul. Long story about that. That'll be another podcast. 206-339-3742 if you want me to talk about that. Okay. And that number, by the way, is not just like a like a prison ID number. That is a phone number. You just dial the phone number and leave a message. It's really it's pretty straightforward. So so uh, go for it. You can do it. Um, I was I was talking in our Sunday school class this morning that um, we have, and I am the first person guilty of this, um, and I will say guilty because there's a moral weight to it. That um, I think fond thoughts. But I don't act on them. Now, if you're if you're repressing bad thoughts and bad actions, that's great. That's good. That, do not do bad things. But the problem is a lot of us just don't do good things either. So when I hear like various podcasts that I listen to, um, and they say, "Leave us a five, you know this is popular now. Leave us a five star review in iTunes." Notice I don't ask you that because I don't even I don't think I'm in iTunes anymore. I don't I I crank the bit rate on these on these down so far um, so that they download nice and, and quickly for you that I don't think I'm eligible for iTunes. I don't my, I don't have a, a graphic. I need a logo. I mean, but so I don't care if you if you rate um, rate me in iTunes or not. I I'm not I'm not gunning for that. But a lot of people are, um, and I always think I should do that. You know, Ray Edwards, I love his podcast. It's if, if you don't, if you listen to only one, don't make it mine, make it Ray's. Well, if I love it that much, then I really should go to iTunes and rate the Ray Edwards podcast and say it's really good. I could even market myself by saying, if you listen to only one, don't make it Ericast.com, make it Ray's. See, that I could sneak my own, you know, I could, lots of ways I, 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 I could do all sorts of things, be it self-serving or just, you know, selfless courtesy to Ray. Do I actually do it? No. Just like, do you call? Well, sometimes you do, and that's cool. Um, do you always call? Do you always call when you think I should call? No, you don't. I'm the same way. Why is that? Okay. So, anyway, mills, right? And so we looked at these, and that was cool. And that got me thinking, because I remembered Dell's Mill in Wisconsin, and the reason I knew about Dell's Mill is because I had um, a driver's ed instructor, former Marine drill sergeant named David Freulin. Uh Yes, I do remember these things. He passed away a couple years ago. Um, earlier, and I'm glad I did this, years back, I, um, I, had, I had sent him a Christmas card as a, as a thank you for, um, for educating me. You know, I, I, I'm alive and well. I, I've 
been an active free driver thanks to to his to his training. Because you know how many people you know remember their driver's ed instructors, let alone write to them and say thank you for instructing me. So I, I did that. I'm glad I did that before he died because uh, it's probably much less meaningful to do that after someone dies. So speaking of, um, it's, well, anyway, so he had this this assignment in the class to plan a road trip. It had to be a minimum of X number of miles and um, had to go through particular you know points or whatever. Um, and it was a way for people to familiarize themselves with, you know, planning and maps. And now back then you had to write to, to uh, um What's the term for like chambers of commerce uh, and and tourism groups to to get information on? And I I mean that was northwestern Wisconsin. I didn't know about the rest of of Wisconsin. Um, so we made this big, um, you know, did all this planning and stuff. I took it pretty seriously because I thought it was a, a cool assignment. And at that point, I learned about Dell's Mill. So um, a year or two later, when Dad and I had cause to go down to Eau Claire, which is where Dell's Mill is, which is about two hours east of the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro, uh, we went to the mill and got a um, got a tour of the mill um, from Gus Clark, although I'm not sure that Gus, I know Gus gave the second tour when we brought mom back. I'm not sure if it was Gus or somebody else that gave the tour when dad and I were there, but I do remember that um, they actually could turn the wheel and start the mill. Um and it's all the, what was interesting this time, yeah, spoiler alert, yeah, I brought the girls this time. Um, all the things that you can, you know, kind of play with in the, in the abstract, um, and little models at, uh, the Mill City Museum are there, in, you know, working, all the equipment is there in Dell's Mill. So, so last week after the, um, the, the mill trip through Minnesota, um, I did a quick Google search to say, hey, you know, what is Dell's Mill, what are their hours? They're probably still in business. It's a big tourist thing. Uh, if you do a quick Google search, you'll see the photos and you'll realize, oh, I've seen pictures of that. It's a really famous mill. I mean, super picturesque. It looks just like you would expect a little mill with a dam and the water wheel. That's what it looks like. Well, come to find out that Gus died last August, a couple months ago. Which sort of leaves the mill in um, in a state of flux because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, which is what caused it to be preserved. But that also means it's not very conveniently located to just you know oh let's just pop out there. It's like two hours from from the cities. Um, Eau Claire is not really a thriving metropolis. I mean it's a big city. It's the it's the it's the home of Menards. That was cool. In fact, driving back, we got to drive by Menards corporate headquarters and see dozens and dozens of semis and stuff. I mean that was neat. Um, but you know, there's, you're not, you know, there aren't that many people coming from Eau Claire to see the mill. So it was open weekends through October, uh, which means if you're listening to this like right now, if you're one of my local listeners, um, you can get out there next week and, and that's it. Um, but I decided, you know what, the girls need to see this because we, we talk about, you know, you can, you can go to the Mill City Museum and see stuff in the museum and we can drive around southeastern Minnesota and look at a bunch of kind of burned out wooden shells and say, imagine what it would look like with several floors of equipment and stuff. But to actually have it there real and working and functioning, that's very different. Uh, so we went two hours out, um, talked with um, Gus's sister, Nancy, who's, who's there now. Um, she's hoping they can open it next year. 
Um, there is a pragmatic issue of uh, the DNO, Department of Natural Resources, doesn't really like dams. Uh, the maintenance issues and stuff, um, particularly like private dams. Now, there are some that are abandoned, but this isn't abandoned because the mill's right there, so they still own it. So it's sort of like if they could abandon the dam but not the mill, um, I'd commented on, you know, well, they could, you know, take the mill, or the, the dam out. The DNR, um, and Nancy said, "Well, yeah, but there are people that live upstream, you know, on the lake from from the dam. You know, they have lakefront property; they wouldn't have it anymore." I said, "Well, that didn't stop them in Iron River, um, except back in my old neck of the woods in Iron River, Wisconsin, there was a dam that was a, a power generating dam from Northern States Power or whatever, and the DNR took it out. And yeah, there are a bunch of people who once had lakefront property who now sort of have swampfront property." Um, they have a bunch of acreage that's now just a marsh that goes out to a creek. It used to be a lake. Anyway, so that was this past weekend's adventure. Um, actually, yesterday, yeah, because uh, this is this is actually getting recorded on a Sunday, um, on the correct date for once. So, yeah, and the girls, you know, you know they. Yeah, Kendall thought it was scary. Well, it is scary. I mean, that's the that's the not everything is a nice, happy storybook museum with guardrails. Um, that's how life in a mill was like. And uh, this uh, kind of like the train museum in Duluth. This is another place that OSHA seems to have just passed by because if you know, climb up to the top level and look around, and yeah, if you were absent-minded or sort of squirrely, you could absolutely you could fall you know twenty-five feet down to the the main floor. Um, so don't do that. Pay attention. Walk carefully. Super great experience. Um, I hope it, I hope it stays around. It's really cool. It was built in 1864 and it's, it's still there. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm fighting a cold. Same, um, same grain shoots, same grain elevator in the bins and the, the, the water turbine, which went in a little bit later, I think that's that's the new one from the 20s or whatever. Really cool. So while there's a lot of stuff that changes and moves on, a lot of stuff doesn't. And yet, you know, it doesn't operate anymore. You walk down to the the bottom level, and all of the, you know, the the, the turbine gears are rusted, and the the belts are all you know hanging there, um, torn off or loose. And I suspect what happened, because I was talking with them about the first visit and, and seeing the mill operate, and, and um, Nancy and her cousin were trying to figure out, you know, how long has it been? Like, oh, probably about 20 years or whatever. Well, there was a giant flood in 93. They had photos of it, of the dam being over top of the water, and the water, you know, running through the kind of the, the, the head house there next to the, the top of the dam. Um, and I'm willing to bet that that was when it's it stopped running. I, I suspect that, um, judging from those photos and where that water must have been running, I'm sure it just cleared everything out, tore all the belts out underneath, and Gus probably never repaired it, um, which is fine because it'd be a lot of work. And really, it was just sort of the, you know, you turn the wheel just to hear, you know, see the belts moving, hear what it's like. Uh, I'm glad I had that experience. It would have been cool for the girls to have that experience someplace, but realistically the amount of effort would go into maintain that kind of experience is just not worth it but 
everything and everyone gets older and you know you celebrate the things that still um you know the building still lives it's still there for how much longer i'm not sure um but either you know accidentally through you know fire or other loss or intentionally like island station where building was getting old there wasn't uh there wasn't a successful repurposing of it and um a few pounds of explosives and it uh, it came down early in the year um a lot of buildings die so but some live so we're ending on a cheerful note some buildings live so uh there you go i i had made a note that i I used to say, in fact, the description of the Aircast says uh, the occasional Rhea free music, which was a big deal when the Aircast started, uh, the notion of of um, not being in under the Recording Industry Artists of America, you know, open source music, that kind of thing. And I realized it's probably been years since I've included any music, which now would be the point to say, and so this week, but the problem is I don't have any of that on this computer. It's all on my old computer, which is set aside now. Um, when I was trying to hunt down the cricket, Can I talk about the cricket in the Aircast studio. Uh, the cricket is gone, um, so I can record in peace. But in the process of, of hunting down the cricket that was driving me insane, my old computer that the cricket was hiding behind has been set aside. So at some point in the future, we'll get some music back into the podcast. Um, let me know um, if you if you care, if you remember, if you have a particular artist that you want to hear: Elizabeth Honeycutt, Ben Lundquist, Tim Lemons. Uh, we have we have a few. But since I'm right around the 25-minute mark, it's already longer than most of your commutes, so uh, we're going to wrap it up. Had a month to catch up with, so you know, a whole lot to, to catch up on. So um, so thank you for listening. 206-339-3742, the listener feedback line. Would love to uh, to hear from you, hear how you're doing. Uh, you don't. You can call without telling me whether I talked about hot air balloons. Just, just call and say hi. Um, I would. I would love to. You've heard from me. You've heard what I've been up to. I would love to hear what you've been up to. Hope things are going okay for you. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Ericast from Ericast.com. Visit us at www.ericast.com.